Hey, Joe, I hear we have a really great show today, don't we? We have our first guest, a uh, lender I know very well named Trish Reedy. She is a mortgage broker with uh, Trusted Lending Center. And um, yeah, I've known her um, for quite some time, at least 10 years. And uh, so she's been at it a long time, knows a lot, um, got a lot of questions for her because there's a lot going on with mortgages right now. Here's me talking to Trish. Uh, not going to hear much of Brian on this because I gave him a coloring book to play with while, <laughs> while we're uh, talking um, grown-up stuff. But uh, yeah, here here is our uh, interview with Trish Reedy. Trish, how are you? Doing great. I'm excited to be the first guest. Well, Hey, you know, there's a lot going on with mortgages right now, and I, I know there's a lot of ground to cover. Um, there's a lot that's moving fast, so there's some specifics I know we can't get into, but um, uh, as of this recording, the Fed has met this week and raised rates, but mortgages aren't necessarily the same as Fed rates, right? Correct. That is a super common misconception. So this week, the Fed raised rates three quarters of a point. And interestingly, that made mortgage rates actually drop. Interesting. So quite often, they're actually inversely related. Yeah. And it's a, it's a super common misconception. Yeah, um, we'll, we'll kind of just leave it at that because deep, deeper into what gets into a mortgage rate, I mean, there's all sorts of things like terms I don't understand. Like, isn't there a British index called the LIBOR that it's tied to and things like that? that all just, sorts of things. All sorts. Yeah. Of, so it's a very rich tapestry. And, uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, so it's a, it's a complicated thing. So yeah, in, in some cases it moves in sympathy with the Fed, but others not. But, but fair to say, big picture, they are ascending though, right? Absolutely. And this past week has been unprecedented territory. I mean, let's be real honest. The past two to three years has been unprecedented territory, but particularly these past, this past week, we have seen rates move more than we have seen ever, um, up and down both. And I mean, in in two days, we probably saw rates move a full point. And then in another two days, almost a full point back. That doesn't happen typically. And, you know, things generally happen a lot slower. Rates did jump quite a bit very quickly this the past six months. And everyone now expects that things are going to continue to go up. Um, the question is how much and how fast and how long will they stay there? So you're talking about, you kind of hit on it there, but uh, uh, while we're kind of in this area, we'll talk a little bit about the historical context. And you, you have been a mortgage lender for a while. I think I met you around 2010. And, yep. and uh, so you've been in it at least that long. And I think you're a little younger than me. So this is, pretty much been your career then, hasn't it? Yes. Yeah. I did a little bit of thing, a little bit of other industry prior to this. Um, but yeah, I've been doing this a long time now, seen a little bit of everything and, uh, yeah, it's rapidly changing all the time. <laughs> yeah, I, I think when we met, like I could ask you what a rate would be and it would, it would a few weeks later, it'd be pretty close to that, but it's yeah. the volatility, uh, Maybe, I don't know, it's probably sometime around 2012, 13, 14, somewhere in that range, mortgage rates and, and just the real estate market in general just became a lot more volatile. Yeah. I mean, when when the housing market crashed in 2008, 2009, um, things changed and then they have just evolved ever since. Um, I would say 
you know, between 12 and 2019, things were relatively stable, mm-hmm. at least compared to the last couple of years. <laughs> um, but man, yeah. rates in, in the past couple of years, I think everybody has kind of gotten used to the fact that rates were in the twos and threes. And that is so mm-hmm. far from normal in historical context. Yeah. And where we are now is normal, but it just, after a couple years in twos and threes, everybody thinks it's just astronomical. It's not. Yeah. Well, with rates going up, are you seeing more people um, doing stuff like, um, I hear the term buying a point. Is that something more of your, your clients are doing? And, and, and is there a kind of a quick explanation of what that is? It's basically buying down your interest rate at closing, but but uh, is it right. is does point equal whole percentage point or is is that a different term and 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 is that truly something a lot more people are doing with rates up there I would say most of my clients are not okay and that is usually because most of them do not have more cash up front mm. to put down mm. um there is a common misconception that you have to have 20% down payment to buy a house oh, yeah. yeah not true at all there's a lot of cases where you can do it with no money down mm-hmm. and other cases where, where you could do it with 3% or 5% down. So very often a first time home buyer does not have deep pockets. Right. So buying a point isn't an option. Okay. Um, so for those who don't know, when you pay a point, it means you're going to pay some upfront interest as part of your closing costs. Okay. It doesn't have to be a full percentage point. And this is a percent of your loan amount. So if you're borrowing $100,000, one point would be $1,000. Okay. But, you know, as home values have gone up, loans have gone, loan amounts have gone up. So buying a point has gotten more expensive. But you don't have to buy a full point. It could be any percentage of that. And it also doesn't mean that you're going to buy down your rate from 6% down to 5%. It could cost a full point to go from 6% to 5.75. That's all dependent on the market and what's going on in the market and the cost to get a rate at the time that you lock in. So So everything is variable and it's all dependent on the lender, what the market's doing, how your lender's priced. And then when, when we go to lock in a client, that is always something that we consider because if it makes sense, if this is going to be your forever house and you think you're going to be in this loan for 30 years, of course you want to have the lowest rate possible. Now, typically most people are in their house for what, seven or eight years is average, I think. Um, yeah. And then especially in the past decade, most people are in their loan for two or three years before they refinance. So, you know, we think, oh, I need to have the lowest rate possible. Your rate really isn't actually that important because you're probably not going to be in this loan for all that long. So if you spend all this money on upfront interest, we got to make sure that it's really going to serve you and, and, and you're going to get that, you know, benefit down the road by having a lower mortgage payment. Right. So if you, if you, if you're spending $5,000 in points, and you're going to save a hundred dollars a month. Oh, do that math. That's, right. that's a lot of months to recoup that cost. 
Yeah. Is it worth it? Are you still going to be in this house? Are you still going to be in this loan? And if you are, do you want, is it worth that risk to you? Do you have the cash available? We're going to weigh the pros and cons and make that decision together. Well, one more um, kind of different mortgage option I've been hearing a little bit more about. I don't know if it's something your clients are going for, but there um, is a type of mortgage called an ARM, adjustable rate mortgage. Um, I've heard the term a little bit more. I don't know if many people are actually um, commencing on these loans and actually going through with getting them. ARM was kind of a dirty word for a little while when rates would reset a lot higher and and a lot of subprime buyers had them and were their rates went above um, where they were qualified. Is in that? Am I correct there? Wasn't that kind of part of the crisis that got people out of their homes? Too many people had arms, but um, right. Is is that yeah. some, is that something that's coming back an adjustable rate mortgage, or is that still kind of a peripheral product out there? I think it's going to as rates continue to go up. Um, part of the problem was that people would use arms in, to qualify for a more expensive house, a more expensive loan than they really should have. Because typically an adjustable rate mortgage is going to have a smaller payment and a lower rate. So your payment's smaller for a certain amount of time until it adjusts and becomes bigger. So if you start out at 5% for the first five years, well, after five years, the rate's going to adjust mm-hmm. and it's going to you know, go up to 7% or 9%. And if you aren't prepared for that and you can't afford that higher mortgage payment, well, there's a chance you're going to get foreclosed on. Yeah. And that's part of what caused the crash is people weren't prepared for that. They couldn't actually afford the more expensive mortgage payment. Yeah. Well, now I think everyone is more aware of that. And if you're using it as a tool and you're using it correctly, then you know, hey, I'm going to do a five-year arm. I know that this house is a place I'm going to live for five or six years. So doing a five-year adjustable rate mortgage is smart because my payment's going to be lower. Now, if I plan to be here 10 years, maybe I'm going to screw myself because my payment's going to go up for those last five years, but maybe I'm willing to take that risk. And that that scenario you are describing, the, the term for it is a 5-1 arm, and there's uh-huh. what, 7-1 arms and 10-1 arms, and yep. basically you're in it at one rate for five years, and then it can reset after that. Is, is right. That, okay, That's cool. Correct. So, okay. And right now, uh, there are not a lot of lenders that have super attractive adjustable rate pricing, um, especially during the pandemic when everything was so, so low, there was no point in doing them. Right, so, yeah. So nobody really wanted them. I think we're going to start see, seeing them coming back more. You know, my favorite lenders right now have priced themselves out of adjustable rates. They're the same as fixed right now, or maybe a quarter or an eighth of a point better. That's not worth the risk to me to, to go adjustable if you're only going to be slightly better. But if you're going to have significantly lower rate, then it does make a lot of sense. So kind of going over all of those, you know, just kind of letting people know there are things out there other than the 30-year conventional mortgage, though that's still the bread and butter. But um, this is, I don't know, this is where I say, if you're looking at a mortgage, talk to your lender and see which scenario is best for you. Uh, Because every every situation is very different. Um, People's debt to income, 
and this is kind of leading in my next question. So, um, you know, what, what are the factors when you're, I guess, basically starting the application process and then going into kind of picking which products right for you? I, I, I know that you kind of start with an application and then it goes to you to look at what debt to income and total. Yeah. The first thing that I'm going to look at is your credit report. What's your credit score? What debts do you have? Are you delinquent on anything? Do you have any judgments, any bankruptcies, anything like that? And then we're going to look at your employment and what type of income you have. Are you self-employed? Do you have hourly income? Do you have a salary? Do you get any bonuses or commission? And we're going to calculate your income based on that. Um, We're going to look at your bank statements and figure out how much cash you have available for a down payment. And also of that available cash, how much of it do you actually want to use? You may have 100,000 available, but tell me, I really only want to use 20 grand. There's a big difference there in what you have and what you're willing. And that's a totally different scenario. Um, And then we're, we're going to look at your debt to income ratio. So of the debts that show up on your credit report, we're going to look at all of the minimum payments and compare that to your gross monthly income. So if you make $10,000 a month as a household, then you will typically qualify on a regular vanilla conventional loan for roughly $4,500 to $5,000 a month in debts, including your new house, your car payments, your student loans, your credit cards, anything that shows up on your credit report, plus any child support, alimony, anything that's court ordered. So when somebody, whether they're a first time buyer, or I guess even if you're a second or third time buyer, you don't do this process all the time. So it's kind of new every time you do it. But uh, what, are, what are some steps to take? Um, uh, I'm sure you have a checklist you give people, but uh, are there some steps people should take even before they call you to, to um, start the application process? And, and what, are, what are some of the mistakes people make that, that you would in the application process that people should avoid? So the first thing I would say is make sure you have your credit in line. Mm-hmm. Um, I have clients that call me all the time. Oh, Credit Karma tells me my score is XYZ. I don't trust Credit Karma at all. I have seen it be 100 points off, both positively and negatively. If you want to check your credit, go to annualcreditreport.com. It is the one place online that is accurate and free. Every other place, they're trying to sell you something. So annualcreditreport.com is the one place online that you can trust. Uh, thank you for um, giving that out. Because, yeah, sometimes I want to check and it's like, oh, is this a safe place to enter my information? You know, Right. Uh, right. But, um, now, in, know, in the past, you used to be able to check it there once a year. Um, once the pandemic started, you can do it monthly. Okay. And I believe that's still going on. Do you, do you know if that counts as a poll on your credit? It, it does? It does not. It does not. Okay. So, because that's a, that's another factor that can actually ding your credit scores, having it pulled too many times, right? Yeah. yeah. And typically the people that worry about that are the people that do not need to worry about that. Okay. <laughs> that's what I found. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so that's, that'd be the first thing I would say is make sure you're taking care of everything on your credit. If you're paying your bills on time, if you have the, the collections that I see most often are medical bills, 
Typically, they're things that people didn't even know they had. Um, so make sure you're paying your medical bills. Um, mm. And then when it t- comes time to do your application, we do those all online. Most lenders will do them online, um, at least to start. I love having conversations with people before they do that, just so we can kind of figure out, are you really ready for this stage? Is there other things you need to do first? Um, or do you, are you really in that, that correct life stage yet? Do you right. have, do you have enough saved? Are you, have you been in your job long enough? I can usually get to, are we going to have somebody qualified or not in a pretty quick phone call? Yeah. So as excited as like somebody who graduated college two weeks ago and just started their job a week ago, they, they, they may not be ready to buy yet. Right. But they might be. They might be. That's true. They might. They might, or they might not. It just totally depends on yeah. on their situation. Yeah. So, um, so if somebody like got denied for a mortgage, um, do you have some? Usually, have some steps they can take to maybe um, kind of come back around six months, a year later, something like Absolutely. that. Absolutely. So, and that's something that we go over with everybody that comes through the door. Um, I always say it's never too soon to try to get pre-approved. Um, you, first of all, you never know when the right house is coming. And second of all, you don't know what you don't know. So you may find out that you had this random medical collection that you didn't know that you just need to call in and pay and have get removed. That may take three months to actually happen because mm-hmm. of the way the system works. Or you may find out, gosh, I really just need to wait for my next annual bonus to come in. Or I need to save something. Or I need to make sure that that I went to the boats two weeks ago and had this big winning and that's great and all, but then I deposited all this cash. And if I show that to the underwriter, I'm going to shoot myself in the foot. So I need to wait another couple of weeks before I go under contract. So it's never too soon to get pre-approved. So now um, you, you have a lot of different options you can offer people. Um, now you, you work for a company that do you, you guys service your own loans. Uh, do, do you actually keep the debt or? Um... So we are a broker. Broker. So okay. That's right. I have so many different places I can send your loan okay. and they will all keep and retain servicing and I can keep, continue to be the contact. Okay. Going forward. So, so once you're my client, you're my client forever. So you can literally shop on a computer screen, different offers from different, lending Absolutely. institutions. So, so, um, so that, that give you some tools to maybe get some people approved that are in difficult situations. You know, uh, I don't want to say that you've got like special tricks, but maybe more tools <laughs> that you can work with. And, um, I don't know if you, you can get too into like maybe a, somebody who, who just had been denied somewhere else you got through or something like that, or, um, have you yeah, I mean, we've experienced with that. We've got so many different lenders and they all have different appetites for what they're looking for. So, you know, if I've got somebody now who wants to refinance just a rental property and he doesn't want to do it with any of his regular job income. So we've got a program that we can do just for that. Oh, wow. Oh, that's... There's, there's all sorts of different things. Um, they're called non-QM, non-qualified mortgages. Hmm. And they're generally speaking, not quite as fun and easy as a regular conventional loan, but it doesn't mean they're not doable. I don't know. I think all mortgages are fun, Trish. I think. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, You're one of those rare ones, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, so you, you've got a few areas of expertise then you've got the, the owner occupant, you work with investors, um, all, I suppose, um, you've probably loaned on land, things like that. All, all different Do it all. Do it all. Um, I know, what, would you say maybe, I don't know what, something that just came to mind as I was asking that question is, um, condominiums that there, is that kind of a more, a little bit the most different residential animal than some of the others, because you have to worry about things like how many units in the uh, complex or rentals versus owner occupied and things like they that. They can be. Yeah, they can be. There's a whole condo questionnaire that the homes association has to fill out. And if the condom condo association itself doesn't qualify, that could potentially disqualify the borrower from buying it. So we've had condo associations in the past that have just been hellish to work with because they don't want to give the paperwork that's required. And it's yeah. not required from us or from our company. It's required from Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. Yeah. But if they don't run the association in a certain way, it could damage their potential buyers and sellers. Yeah, they have to think show things like the cash reserves and things like that. Right, right, exactly. That's to kind of, is that kind of to guarantee that somebody who's being approved for a payment, you know, their HOA isn't going to go up $300 because the reserves aren't there. And suddenly the, I don't know if that would technically be debt to income, but it, it it's, it could be that, or it could yeah. be, you know, if they don't have cash reserves, then if they got sued, then potentially homeowners could get sued and there could be another lien on the property. It could be all sorts of different reasons. So the lender um, wants to protect its interest in the property. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, and um, that kind of brings me back around to you. You know, one of the things we, you mentioned early in the conversation was you know peop, sometimes people think they have to have twenty percent down to to buy a home, um, and and you had mentioned you know three and a half and five percent. It was about a conventional loan. Five percent is about as low as you can go. Anything lower than 3%. that is three percent. Three percent. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. So there, there's a misconception of mine you just shot through. So awesome. Uh, and then FHA. Um, FHA is three and a half percent. Well, that's interesting. I always thought of FHA as the lower down payment, but you can go 3% on conventional, but FHA is three and a half. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, and depending on your credit score, one or the other would be better. And it, I decide that because mortgage insurance is either more or less expensive in one or the other types of loans based on your credit score. The, and that, that was what was leading me to that, that 20% is usually what gets you out of what's called private mortgage insurance and kind of going back to the lender wants their asset protected. This is, that's, that's something that's on your PMI or private mortgage insurance is something that's on your loan, your monthly payment until you reach a certain amount of equity. Is that correct? Am exactly. I describing that right? Okay. Exactly. So. And it protects the lender if you you were to default on the loan, but you're the lucky one that gets to pay it. <laughs> so for people who have been in their homes a while, kind of watch that. Maybe, maybe when you get to that 80 or 20% equity threshold, um, you know, watch, watch your monthly payment. Call your servicer. Ask, yeah. can I get my PMI removed? Yeah. A lot of people with, at this point in time, if you've been in your house a few years, Homes have appreciated so much, you most likely can. Oh, so so maybe somebody who's only been a couple years, because there's, there's a good chance. Wow. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
and that's and it's and that's is that not usually an automatic thing? Is that something you usually have to call your servicer to? Yep. Make sure? Okay, so they're going to keep getting that money as long as they can. <laughs> and that goes right into your pocket, right, Trish? I wish. Oh gosh, <laughs> I wish. I see. I see you throwing around all that PMI money. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, um, kind of pulling on that thread a little bit. Um, you know, talking about needing 20% down. What are some, are there, are there some other common misconceptions people have when they come to you and, and get into the process and they're like, Oh, this is not at all what I thought it would be. Um, are there common ones or is it are there maybe funny ones that really stick out that you've seen recently or anything like that? Oh gosh. I mean, there's, it's different on every deal. Um, I mean, first of all, I do not control the appraisal or the appraiser. Oh. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I am not even allowed to speak to them. Oh, so if the house, uh, if the house value comes in high or low, I had nothing to do with it. <laughs> it's not my yeah. fault. Yeah, I don't get credit for it either. Uh, they are completely independent. And we, we have actually had a lot of loans lately that have had appraisal waivers and haven't even had appraisals required, which is great. Saves, saves the buyer five or $600 and saves time. Um, but you know, when, in the market that we've been in the past couple of years, when sellers have so many offers coming in and a buyer is willing to pay over asking price, you know, there's a good chance that they're willing to pay more than the property is actually worth. Yeah. So just because you're willing to pay it doesn't mean the house is actually going to appraise. And that could potentially cause an issue with your loan. Doesn't mean that it's going to be a deal breaker, but you need a good loan officer that knows what they're doing so that, it doesn't kill your deal. Yeah. Now, when you use the term appraisal waiver, that is the buyer of the home saying, hey, if it doesn't appraise, we'll make up the difference because there may still be an appraiser appraisal because isn't that typically a lender requirement? Like, well, so from your perspective as the realtor, yeah. you would define it that way. I define it as Fannie and Freddie don't require the appraisal. Oh. And we as the lender do not require it. So somebody could... We've had lots of those. You, wow. People have gotten loans without an appraisal at all? Without an appraisal at all. Yep. Uh, wow. Okay. That This this really is a wild market then. Yeah. It's been, it's been great. Yeah. Well, um, so uh, let's see. Going through my list of questions for you here. Um, well, um, any anything you guys offer... Um, just besides the home loans, um, HELOCs, refi, stuff like that. Um, you no, know, we've done lots of refinancing and I think we're going to continue, even with rates going up, I think we're going to continue to do that, particularly as the Fed raises the prime rate. But that means the loans on your credit cards, your auto loans, any of those personal loans, those rates are going to rise. So if you have equity in your house, but you also have a lot of credit card debt, consolidating that debt into a home loan is probably a really smart move. Ah. Even if you're going to pay six, seven, eight percent on your mortgage, whatever the case may be, that's so much better than 20% on a credit card. I mean, yeah. so much better. So <laughs> if you think about consolidating all of that, I mean, we're, we've done a ton of that in the past few years and I think we're going to continue. Consumer debt is just, I mean, it's at an all-time high. 
Americans don't have money in savings. And right. as we go into a recession, I think having cash available is a really smart move. So if that's something that you're considering or something you need to do, we, we do a lot of that. Well, um, I think we've covered a lot of ground, but uh, before we part, any final tips before uh, for somebody who's um, looking to buy a home um, and get, get their mortgage process started? Um, any, any tips for, for just the beginning of the process there? Um, there's an orange apply button at trishrady.com. It's the best place to start. And that was going to be my next question. Where, where <laughs> people find you? Trishreedy.com? Trishreedy.com. All right. Uh, check that out. Um, Trish knows a ton about mortgages. It's all, all you do. And, uh, like and, and uh, obviously, we've covered a lot of ground, a lot of stuff here. So, and there's a lot more to get into. And he, he, like you said, each person's different. Each household is different. Each, um, each buyer is different. So uh, that's, that's where your expertise comes in and, and you get to figure out the best deal for everybody on, on borrowing Absolutely. money. Absolutely. Well, Trish, thanks for being our first guest. Uh, it was a lot of fun and um, uh, great information. And, and um, if there's any, anything else you want to add before, before we split. Uh, My pleasure. Uh, Have me back anytime. Well, oh, we will, because uh, you know, Otherwise, it's it's just me. So you know, <laughs> I'm sure you're you're entertaining too. I, I try, I try. All right. Well, um, ha- have a good weekend. Uh, spending all your uh, PMI money, and, uh, <laughs> and and we'll talk again soon, Trish. Thanks so much for being with us. Thanks, Joe.